0: Under the crust of that portion of earth called the United States of America, from California to the Gulf Stream waters are interred the bones, villages, fields, and sacred objects of American Indians. They cry out for their stories to be heard through their descendants, who carry the memories of how the country was founded and how it came to be as it is today. It should not have happened that the great civilizations of the Western Hemisphere, the very evidence of the Western Hemisphere, were wantonly destroyed. The gradual progress of humanity interrupted and set upon a path of greed and destruction. Choices were made that forged that path towards destruction of life itself. The moment in which we now live and die as our planet shrivels, overheated. To learn and know that this history is both a necessity and a responsibility to the ancestors and descendants of all parties. The history of the United States is a history of settler colonialism, the founding of a state based on the ideology of white supremacy, the widespread practice of African slavery, and a policy of genocide and land theft. Those who seek history with an upbeat ending, a history of redemption and reconciliation, may look around and observe that such a conclusion is not visible, not even in the utopian dreams of a better society. Writing U.S. history from an indigenous people's perspective requires rethinking the consensual national narrative. That narrative is wrong or deficient, not in its facts, dates, or details, but rather in its essence, inherent in the myth we've been taught is an embrace of settler colonialism and genocide. The myth persists not for a lack of free speech or poverty of information, but rather for an absence of motivation to ask questions that challenge the core of the scripted narrative of the origin story. How might acknowledging the reality of US history work to transform society? Excerpt. Taken from An Indigenous People's History of the United States, written by Roxanne Dunbar Ortiz.
1: This is
0: Monstras. and welcome to another episode of Monstras. My name is Brenda Salguero. (laughs) Ra
1: I couldn't think of anything. No, we're leaving that. That is your new introduction. We're not editing that out. (laughs) You have a PhD in (laughs) Ra
0: It's it's October. I wanted to be a little spooky and I should have done it in the middle of my name, but Uh fuck it. I don't care anymore. I'm so tired.
1: (laughs) I thought that was amazing. And I I thought it was intentional. So.
0: Oh, shit. I should have said anything. But anyways, (laughs) (laughs) welcome to another episode. And this episode, I wanted to ask the audience this. Ever wonder why so many places in Latin America are named after European monsters and legends? Why is the Amazon rainforest named after a tribe of warrior women from Greek legends? What are the Greeks doing all up in the Amazon rainforest? <laughs> well, in this episode, we attempt to answer that question. So it's a very exciting episode.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm Orquidea Morales. I didn't introduce myself because oh, we shoot. got distracted so by sorry. the roar. And that's Okay. <laughs> I don't come with monster noises, so it's 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 fine. Uh, I can
0: make them for you.
1: Yeah, I think you would have to add one. I'm very <laughs> monotone, I think. Um, so <laughs> uh, any any monster noises that are around my voice have been added by Brenda, <laughs> <An> edit. <laughs> in edit, in post, in post, post, post. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this episode, um, and it was also inspired by upcoming Indigenous Peoples Day. Uh, which will be October 11th.
0: Yes, which is when this episode should be dropping. So hopefully you're listening to it. And it's basically kind of like a... Also like a fuck you to Columbus, but also to celebrate, yeah, to celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day and just discuss this whole idea of why everything's named after, or a lot of things are named after European monsters. So... I proudly, very proudly, read a book.
1: Wow. Wait, wait, wait.
0: <laughs> thank you, thank you. A whole book. Mm-hmm. By Persephone Braham, which I... Is that a real name? I swear it, it has to be, right? Yeah. That's such a cool name that someone named her Persephone, and then she went into, like, monster studies. I know. Which is badass, I right? So... Anyways, her name is Persephone Braham, and she wrote From Am- Amazons to Zombies, Monsters in Latin America. And I would say she's definitely kind of an expert in that field of Latin American like mythology and monsters, at least the background mm. of them and i know that you're actually using this book for your class right yeah
1: so i'm teaching a class on latin american monsters um and we started off with the intro and the first chapter of this book and then we're going to read other stuff on cannibals because of one of the movies we're watching and i just yeah i really like her work it's super easy to read and like I mean, I mean that as a compliment, right? Like it's just, yeah. it's clear, it's not too heavy theoretical and it's so smart and fascinating. I felt like I was reading, you know, fiction. Like when you read fiction, you're just like the flow, just you're just page to page to page. It's a page turner. Yes. That's the word for it. <laughs> That's the phrase. Yes, exactly. It's, it's a page turner. It
0: definitely is and we highly recommend uh, people go out and purchase it or check it out from a library. Mm. You can actually, I'll link a copy or a uh, a copy to the book um, in the show notes, so no worries. But without further ado, let's dive into the history. Basically, the foundation of this entire sordid tale. So let's get into some history. This is a very abridged version, and I think you're gonna start, right? Yes. Okay. Go for it.
1: So. A lot of shit's going on in Spain. <laughs> That's the abridged version. Uh,
0: <laughs> we're go- Wait, wait. We got to go in our time machine. I got to make time machine noises. There. Okay.
1: Can I take my seatbelt off? Is it safe to walk around?
0: Yes. Now you can get out. Okay. You can walk around. Check out what Spain looks like in 7-Eleven.
1: Okay. So we're in 7-Eleven CE, Spain. So 711 Common Era Spain um, was taken over by the Moors or Arab Berber forces. Uh, For 700 years, there was a battle for Christian nations to retake Spain, whatever that means. So it it wasn't until 1492 that the entire peninsula was finally under the control of Christian rulers. So the peninsula would be Spain and uh, Portugal. From there, Muslims and Jewish people were either forced to convert to Christianity And definitely, this was like, you know, Inquisition roughly forced (laughs) to convert or forced to flee. And quite a few fled to Latin America. And, you know, quite a few words that we have in Spanish are from Arab and Hebrew pronunciation. So, yeah. Yep. Um,
0: Super fascinating. Yeah. Um,
1: So, during these 700 years, Spain actually became a gateway between the world and Europe because it was like that bridge connection Uh, and you have to remember that at this time Europe was knee-deep in the Middle Ages so we were knee-deep in poop
0: in rat poop and bubonic plague yeah
1: that's that's it's that sounds like today
0: yeah honestly yeah Yeah. actually except it's human poop if you're especially if you're in San Francisco
1: yeah okay (laughs) I'm just thinking of all the pee smell in New York City.
0: Oh yes, there's so there's any large city you're just like, I wonder if that's human excrement,
1: or dog excrement. And then you're like, I don't want to think about. Okay, so we were knee deep in the Middle Ages, as we are now. (laughs) A huge influence on the monsters that later uh, supposedly plagued Latin America was an Iberian cleric called Isidore of Seville who created an encyclopedia called the etymologies that affirmed the existence of many different monsters. Um, he talked about giants, dog-headed people, and sirens. Uh, in describing these creatures um, of Seville did something no one had really done in the past. He separated non-human monsters from human beings who were made in God's image. These monsters were then divided into roles of good and evil. Prior to, uh, So before this happened, folks like the Greeks, um, where many of these monsters come from, just described them as matter of factly. So they were like, okay, that's Tom. Next to him is a Cyclops. Next to him is Joseph. Right? Like, (laughs) very Greek names. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But Seville did like a different categorization uh, for the monsters that completely separated them from human and marked them as monstrous. So... Uh, for the Greek, they were just part of nature, like humans. And for, for Seville and etymologies, they were something completely different.
0: Yes. And you could attach them, you could attach evilness to it. <clears throat> so many of these monsters, especially the not more non-human ones like sirens and serpents, were actually directly tied to sins like cannibalism, which at the time was really considered the ultimate evil uh, I mean, I guess now it's still considered an evil, but at the time it was just like super evil.
1: <laughs> I am cannibal, the super evil.
0: <laughs> super, the most disgusting thing you can do. These days I'm like, ah, is it is it top tier? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So this distinction though is really important because eventually these same vices and evils are then attached and associated with Latin America. Mm. And you already see the Spanish doing this even before Columbus's voyage. So remember how they were all trying to battle the Muslims and the Jews and all that stuff. So they started labeling Muslims and Jews who medieval Christians actually described as cannibalistic child murderers who like to have weird Deviant sex.
1: But let's be honest, who doesn't like weird deviant sex?
0: <laughs> exactly. The, the Christians at this time sounded so boring. Yeah.
1: What so prudes? So boring. Like
0: <laughs> prudes. My God, The child murder, Anyways.
1: maybe not right now, but the kinky weird sex. What's wrong with
0: that? Yeah, I know. What's wrong with it? So to quote... Uh, the times, the 12 tribes of Israel were actually described as a barbarous and unclean race, devourers of youths and abortions. Yikes. I know. How do you even devour an abortion? I don't even know. So, especially at the time. I do
1: know. So, dumplings. What? I highly recommend the the, the movie or the short Dumplings. It's in Three Extremes and it's a short about... um. Dumplings that have aborted fetuses in them that make you young forever.
0: Honestly, I'd 100% eat that dumpling. Oh, my God. If it made me young forever. Oh, my God. I would ab- absolutely, I'd eat fine.
1: <laughs> Give me a buffet.
0: <laughs> Give me a buffet of those dumplings. I mean, it makes me young forever. I- I'm down. Down a clown. So, anyways, enough of my own cannibalistic uh, tendencies. So, (laughs) and on top of that, this whole thing and otherization and monsterization of other people that are different, you have sexism, which dates back to that asshole, Aristotle, who thought that women were actually monsters because they deviated from men, men being the perfect form and women just being deformities of that form. Yeah. Even though later on we discovered that everyone is actually default a woman in the womb. So whatever Aristotle then they get
1: see, but if if you were a misogynistic you'd say, but then they get fixed and develop a penis. So they're Uh, don't
0: give them ideas. So men
1: are more developed than women.
0: God dang it. (laughs) There's always there's always a twist. You
1: gotta be ready.
0: Yeah, that's true. You gotta be ready. Um, okay, so always afraid of women's power. So obviously all this comes from being afraid of women's power, you know, to the point where even covents, I was so surprised when I read this, even coven, convents, sorry, convents <laughs> were greatly condemned and feared, even though convents at the time were like often rest homes, Penit- they served as penitentiaries, they served as insane asylums and boarding schools. So they were a societal good, but religious authorities, for some reason, thought they were a temptation. Like, somewhere because it was all, like, these women grouped together, uh, they must be doing, you know, they must be up to no good. So they were even suspicious because they took a vow of chastity. (laughs) They were suspicious because of that.
1: How dare they remain pure?
0: (laughs) How dare they remain pure, according to our our stupid preconceived dumb standards like it's just so dumb so uh it was so bad that even priests would actually make a game of trying to see who could seduce the most nuns and this was called the galanteo de monjas
1: wow i don't even know what to say to that
0: i know right it was it's crazy so it's a game it's a game to them so even the fall of spain in 7-eleven Uh, to the muslims was blamed on a woman called now known as la cava so according to legend she was raped by the visigothic king rodrigo and when she told her father count julian or julian he wanted revenge and colluded with muslim forces which then led to the eventual downfall of spain so this is all... Oh, what were you going to say?
1: No, I was just...
0: Uh, <laughs> oh, you were just I groaning. I was just
1: groaning. Okay.
0: <laughs> it's like, okay, so I guess it's her fault. Everything's the woman's fault. Great. Yeah. Right? Okay, cool.
1: She should have not been so this is.
0: I know. She should have just... Yeah, she should have just taken other precautions. Yeah. I don't know what those precautions could have been. Wow. Um, But... This is all to say that the foundations of sexism, otherization, and subjugation through monsterization were all geared up and ready to go when Columbus left on his fateful voyage.
1: Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a really helpful background to, I think, think about Columbus's mindset for, you know, so in 1492, he set out to search for a new passage to the Indies, Um, And inspired in part by Marco Polo's stories and travels to the east. But as we know, he arrived in the Caribbean instead of the Indies. And when he got there, he already had an idea of what he could find there. Right. So all this history is helpful in in knowing what mindset he had. Um, Yes. A lot of what Columbus wrote in diaries um, and the monsters and things he saw were inspired by the many popular books of the times and like travel books and all that sort of stuff which talked about monsters because I I guess they didn't want to be boring and say we were on the ocean for weeks on end, period. (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. You had to make it exciting somehow. Yeah. Uh,
1: So it's believed that Columbus actually carried with him several of these books, including Travels by Marco Polo, Pliny's uh, Natural History, and P.S. II's uh, Historia Rerum, i imagine that's latin
0: yeah it sounds like you just cast a spell on me
1: i know i'm sorry (laughs) your hair is now green oh no
0: oh my god (laughs) Uh,
1: but that book um and all these books had lots of stories of asia swarming with cannibals and amazon so these are stories that they already had and they just brought with them to what they call the new world um he also had mandeville's book travels um which, you know, Travels, very boring name. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're not very creative with these names. I
1: know. <laughs> they they save, the, save the creativity for the monsters in the book, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but Travels uh, described his many travels <laughs> around the known world. <laughs> 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 Who would have thunk him? That's what it was about. Um, yeah,
0: I know. I su- what a
1: surprise. <laughs> yeah. Descriptions in his book include... Um, the images of Amazonia and the warrior women who dwelt there and list of other monsters who lived in India. This book more likely had a huge influence on Columbus's account of the indigenous peoples and landscapes of Latin America. Um, so now we can go into a more detailed description of each monster that Columbus and other explorers wrote about finding in Latin America. And I guess we should say India does not have Amazons, Amazonian women either.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, well, that's, we're getting ahead of us. Oh, okay. But.
1: I, I mean, just a quick <laughs> aside, for anybody that thought we believed India had these monsters, we do not.
0: <laughs> but he really thought he landed in the Indies. Yeah. He was just like, oh. And so all his, his brain is like swarming with all these monsters yeah. that he read that existed in the Indies. And it's like, dude, you're not in the
1: Indies. Yeah. <laughs> and also these monsters are not real exactly uh so in some of his first descriptions of the Caribbean, columbus ties the stories of a group of tough independent warrior women who don't need a man to cannibalism did you like my (laughs) head
0: you gotta do it you gotta do it with who don't need a man or who don't need no man they don't
1: need no man is that better hold on let me put my hoops on (laughs) (laughs) so in one of his letters he writes quote your highness should know that the first island of the Indy, closest to spain is populated entirely by women without a single man and their comportment is not feminine but rather they use weapons and other masculine practices <laughs> i love that description
0: <laughs> other masculine practices um, great
1: <laughs> i don't know do they like i don't know pee standing up <laughs> i
0: i don't i don't know do they wear pants like what is, what is going, going on, on? here yeah. um
1: so he also describes that these women have sex with human, flesh-eating men from a second island called Garib, and that, that people uh, of Cuba all have tails. So what will be what would become known as Cuba, the people yes. of that island all had tails, according to Columbus. Um, and the folks uh, in what became known as Jamaica are all bald, and have a ton of gold, which. Um, <laughs> I, I want whatever Columbus was smoking, or maybe he was just so dehydrated from the trip over that he was just seeing all these things. I want to see these things.
0: I know. I was like, oh, so everyone's bald? Yeah. Like, <laughs> is,
1: is that what happens in Jamaica? I've never, I mean, I've never been, maybe. Yeah, Are they all maybe. wearing wigs? They're naturally all bald. I-
0: it's all wigs, I guess, all the way down to Jamaica. Like, what? What are you talking about?
1: So these cannibals, he goes on describing, like love to eat adult male flesh as the, quote, flesh of boys and women is not good to eat. How would he know that that's what they like to eat? Like, how how long was he watching?
0: I. We'll get into okay. that, too. We will get into
1: that. <laughs> I have so many questions uh, for Columbus. Columbus, please come back. Um, no, actually, no. <laughs> I take that. Don't
0: back. come back. But come back as a harmless ghost yeah. that we can ask questions yeah. to and then ban to some sort of dimension where he can just be tortured for the rest of his life.
1: Sounds good. Okay. So Diego Alvarez Chanca, who accompanied Columbus on his second voyage, describes how a group of captive, captive indigenous women told him of an island full of women who love to munch on human flesh. Yet another instance of female sexuality being linked to cannibalism, yeah. Like, is that like a fetish they had? They just wanted to watch a bunch of women eat 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 men. Yeah, it's just that's very sexual.
0: Yeah, it is very sexual. So it is is always. That's why uh, when I was reading Brahams' book, I was like, "Oh, she tied Amazons and cannibalism into kind of the same chapter Mm. because they were so linked." together and it has to do with this idea remember cannibalism is like the ultimate sin so you're linking it to female sexuality and independence as another ultimate sin yeah if that makes sense
1: um and then you have like americo Vespucci, (laughs) or as brenda almost wrote i cannot believe you're gonna make me read this (laughs) so read it oh my god so she thought it was americo Vespucci. Vespusi, 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 I am so sorry. My Italian is uh, how you say not very good.
0: I kept writing it that way and I was like, why am I keep writing? I did it last yesterday too when I was finishing everything up on the script and I was just like, Amerigo Vespusi, Vespusi. <laughs> I love that and you say like, it with why? like
1: a mild Italian accent too. <laughs> That's like so offensive. <laughs>
0: To get this way, our, our
1: continent is named after this man. We could be called the Vespucci <laughs> continent.
0: We could have had it all, Orquilla. we could have had it all
1: <laughs> instead. Instead, we're America. Okay, uh, so Amerigo Vespucci uh, went in all. <laughs> And when this idea of the cannibalistic women, he described how he saw one of his shipmates be clubbed by a group of women and then devoured right in front of his eyes. I love he did nothing. Um, <laughs> he was just taking he furious was like, notes. I'm not getting involved. <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: That's that dude's business. That was his fault. What was he wearing? Exactly. What was he wearing?
1: <laughs> and so then he goes on to describe these women as being so incredibly horny that they used snake venom to enlarge the men's penises. Disclaimer, that is not FDA approved. Men do not (laughs) use any snake venom on your penis.
0: No, do not because I forgot, I didn't put this in, but oh my God, it also described how, After they use the venom, it would actually rot off the men's penises and then they would be rendered eunuchs.
1: <laughs> so don't do it. <laughs> so it was just for single-use purpose. That's, you know, yeah, I, I think a... an island full of horny women would know how to keep their penis alive.
0: I know, right? I guess there were just so many men and they were so disposable. Yeah. So they could just recycle them, I guess, or, or get a new man. I don't, I don't know. But anyways, I personally think... It was Vespucci's way of getting. I said, "Okay, I need." You. I was actually trying to say it the correct way, and I still. Oh said my it gosh! Wrong. If you're
1: Italian or Italian American, please say send all your hate mail to Brenda. Not me. I was
0: Trying to say it in the right way, I swear. Vespucci. Vespucci. Oh my god! You can't I not can't... say it
1: anymore. I can't not.
0: Oh my god! Anyways. I personally think Vespucci was actually getting off on writing these things.
1: I mean, I don't see, I do see multiple reasons why they would write these narratives, right? It's a way to kind of excuse the violence that's to come and to make it more exciting and get more money to come back, blah, blah. Like, there's multiple reasons. But these are some crazy ass stories.
0: These are crazy.
1: Uh, so they, they, there were so many descriptions from all these travelers that even map makers, map, even map makers uh, began drawing and depicting the Caribbean as Mar de Canibals, Um and future visual interpretations depicted the New World as a warrior or cannibal woman. Um, so even the word cannibal comes from these descriptions, which is fascinating.
0: So yes, so even the word cannibal does come from the Caribbean. And I, let me read a quote really quick. So, quote, uh, The Indians utter the word cariba, designating the man-eating inhabitants of the Caribbean islands. Columbus hears Ganiba, which is to say the people of the Khan. But he also understands that according to the Indians, these persons have dog heads from the Spanish Word cane or cane, mm. which means dog, with which precisely they eat people. So, this was a quote from uh, Sevatin Todorov's description of this whole misadventure that happened with the word and how the word evolved from the obviously them calling themselves cariba or caribs mm. to somehow cannibal <laughs> cannibal lector that's
1: crazy because i know like even um what's his name shakespeare um uh, the tempest has caliban so it, it had like the tempest is inspired in part by these narratives too um so they traveled a lot all over the place these different stories and have influenced culture significantly <laughs>
0: Yeah. They've had a a huge influence on culture. So it's just
1: Yeah.
0: It's crazy. So that it influenced the language and that it influ it created the word cannibal. Like we know cannibal because of the Caribbean. Yeah.
1: And it really shapes how how people are treated or were treated, continue to be treated. Um so like um tells of Amazons too were tied to South America, uh, due in part to Dominican friar Gaspar de Caraval. Uh, who documented an encounter he had with Amazons while looking uh, for the road to El Dorado. He says that these women could fight off 10 men, but yet the Spaniards managed to somehow defeat them. And then the the Tupinamba indigenous group of Brazil was said to practice cannibalism as well. So again, it's like the whole continent was read through the eyes of, of, of those monsters they had in mind already before they got here.
0: Exactly and attached to cannibalism mm-hmm. and and these terrible sins the next monster that i we wanted to tackle is definitely mermaids and sirens which mermaids and sirens are kind of lumped together because they're kind of a little bit of both mm-hmm. you know they, they it's like a com- combination i always thought mermaids were separate from sirens but apparently not <laughs> they're more intricately tied so In medieval uh, bestiaries, sirens were actually often depicted as a half-woman, half-bird. Whoa. But they eventually evolved to be half-fish and half-woman. Sirens are also mentioned in the Odyssey when Odysseus um, and his men must resist the siren song as their ship passes by a rock full of them. And I remember that, actually, because I did read that in high school. So they had to... They had to really uh, struggle (laughs) against that. So here's our friend Isidore again, Isidore of Seville, identified sirens as prostitutes. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Sure. Uh, How? Um, I don't understand how. So many bestiaries called them avatars of Satan. So in fact... Spanish sailors actually had to swear an oath against having sex with them.
1: I love that so much. Be safe. Remember no sex with sirens. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. Pablo, you gotta you gotta swear to me. Look me right in the eyes and swear to me. You're not gonna fuck no no, no sirens.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Fine. <laughs> um, but anyways, so On January 8th, 1493, Columbus said he saw uh, his first siren near present day Haiti. He said he encountered three serenas or mermaids. And here's his quote from from about the different encounters. So the day before when the Admiral was going to Rio del Oro, he said he saw three mermaids who came quite high out of water but were not as pretty as they were depicted, (laughs) for somehow in the face, they look like men. He he said that he saw some in Guinea, on the coast of Maneguata. And that's straight from the diary of Christopher Columbus. And-
1: That's really rude. He just called these beautiful women, (laughs) uh, men. He doesn't know how they identify. (laughs)
0: whoa they're not as beautiful as we thought they were (laughs) like it's just so stupid i love it so anthropologists state that what they actually probably saw were actually manatees i love that
1: so much so much and
0: (laughs) they saw these giant things and they were like wow they ago how dare you like How dare you insult insult (laughs) the manatees? So later sightings can also be attributed to probably them seeing, like them spotting dolphins and sea cows. So they were mistaking these creatures for sirens or mermaids.
1: Yeah.
0: But the sirena legends did have a long lasting impact on Latin American religion and folklore. For instance, many Afro-Caribbean religions have sirenas in their folklore and beliefs. Haitian voodoo, for instance, or uh, also Cuban regala de ocho, and Brazilian candomble all mention sirenas. Hmm. In Yoruba religions, there is the orisha yemenja, or yemenja, who is the mother of oceans and is often visualized as a siren holding a conch shell. She can both be a terrifying spirit, or a very nurturing one. In fact, she's worshipped as a protector of women and children and is a force for justice. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I like this. Um, I don't know too much about Yemen, yeah, but that's, that's really cool.
0: Right? Yeah. So, there's also a Haitian mermaid called La Sirene, who can be summoned by blowing on a conch shell. And also, she's, she's also one not to mess with. <laughs> she will seize you if you anger her. So, I don't know what that means. She might drag you down into the ocean or something, but...
1: She might turn you into you. a manatee. You don't know. She
0: might, she might turn you into a siren with an old man's face. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, in Mexico, you actually do have cautionary tales that are tied with Legends of Mermaids. For instance, there's one where a little girl, there's a story basically where a little girl disobeys her mother and goes bathing in a river when she turns into a mermaid. So these are usually stories that are passed down from mother to daughter as these cautionary tales about like, hey, you need to obey me and you need to, uh, it's a way to also enforce uh, social norms. As well.
1: That doesn't sound like a cautionary tale, though. That sounds like you're encouraging your child to go into the river. Because who, what child didn't want to be a mermaid? I know right? What a
0: punishment! Oh, I'm going to turn into a mermaid if I don't listen to you. Awesome, exactly, Screw you mom.
1: <laughs> so I, I feel like this was bad parenting. <laughs> it's
0: like, heck yeah, I'm going to be a uh, like a a mermaid. So, and in some modern interpretations of La Sirena uh have actually so La Sirena has turned into like a metaphor for trans uh, mm. due to this fluid nature of the mermaid That's really cool. of not knowing is it a is it a woman, is it a fish, like what is it? Uh, and those things were kind of established also in prior legends about mermaids is like this fluidity mm. that mermaids have. That's
1: really cool. I know I've seen like some um, queer chicanas use La Sirena and like I think I'm forgetting the name of the artist, but made like representations of her with other women, like queer. Um, oh, yeah, it's really cool.
0: She is really popular, and I was thinking when I was reading this, mm-hmm. and writing this stuff down, I was like, "Oh yeah, La Sirena," in Lotería. Yeah. You know, she's there with her titties out. It's yeah, great. She does
1: not look like a manatee. Let me tell you.
0: Uh, no, she does not. The look
1: Photoshop she not. works. She's
0: very fit. <laughs> She does not have that old man Mm -mm, face. mm -hmm. Um, so what is the truth then? So did Columbus actually, and and other European invaders, of course, actually see any of these creatures? And the answer will probably not surprise you because it is no, they saw nothing. I'm
1: surprised.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, maybe you were surprised, but
1: (laughs) did not see that coming. (laughs) total left Uh,
0: but it is definitely it it almost sounded like an era of misinformation first of all John Mandeville remember if you remember the guy who uh, wrote that book called Travels Mm -hmm. many historians now believe he was a charlatan he was supposedly a knight but people are like he probably wasn't even a knight it seems like he cobbled together and plagiarized many of his tales literally just stealing them from other source materials he more than likely never even traveled at all (laughs) (laughs) i love that he was probably some loser in a basement Just
1: in his mom's basement, eating Doritos, typing everything up. Is that what you're picturing right now?
0: Yeah, that's what I'm picturing.
1: I was I was thinking of the little Bow Wow challenge that happened a few years ago, where he was posting pictures to pretend he was all cool and rich, and people were like calling him out. Like, no, yes,
0: he's actually, and he's actually poor. Yeah, yeah,
1: and it's all fake. Yeah,
0: yes, I think I remember. I remember that, but it's essentially, yeah, he was just. It's just like um it's just like fake influencers, yeah. right?
1: Like, so he was catfishing all of the other travelers. Yeah, go, you'll see all these sexy sirens <laughs> Exactly. <laughs>
0: you might get to have sex with some of them. Yeah. And maybe while they devour you. Yeah. You know you don't ever know. Yeah. Go. Go check it that's out.
1: That's how manatees got fed. <laughs>
0: I know. That's how they got fed. So yeah. All his lies had a huge impact on Latin America. Also, not to mention that all the other explorers, including Columbus, never actually witnessed any of the monsters they mentioned. In his letters, he went on to admit that he didn't actually encounter any monsters. This includes cannibals, as we mentioned before. He also doubts the descriptions of monsters by indigenous people he encountered. But then at the conclusion of his letter, and I read this letter (laughs) to the sovereigns from March 1493, that despite not having any evidence of the monsters, he was like,
1: yeah, but, you know, they totally exist. Yeah. No, I mean, they must. They have to. Other people are talking about them, so they must be real.
0: They must be real. So all in all, these descriptions really cemented the way Europe viewed Latin America. Full of riches and monsters, which included very scary cannibalistic women who constantly wanted to emasculate men. Same. In fact, the harder many indigenous groups fought against the invaders, the more and more cannibals, air quotes, were said to have been cited in Latin America. That's not so So it all goes hand in hand, man.
1: Yeah. And I really think at the end of the day, it, it doesn't matter who was the cannibal. I mean, it wouldn't matter if I was getting eaten, but historically yeah. it doesn't matter. Because <laughs> <'cause> there's
0: stories... <laughs> to, to, the time, to time, history, and the universe, does it matter if Orquide gets eaten? No. no.
1: Wow. That took a dark <laughs> was it turn. It wasn't too much of
0: an existential...
1: Yeah. Now I'm going to go cry in a corner. Play some... Um, <laughs> cure and just cry <laughs> into my goth outfit i don't know i'm trying to paint a picture you're going nowhere <laughs> but what i mean is there's a lot of stories of european cannibals too like recently y'all you, you had that german guy that had another guy agreed to let him eat him right and yeah. that was totally legal. um <laughs> technically it was legal yeah like he was sent to jail for for something else but it wasn't for the cannibal he was he was sent to jail for assisted suicide oh not that's for right, the cannibalism was, I don't,
0: yeah i don't think he he did get go to prison for for eating someone because mm-hmm. he signed a contract
1: yeah <laughs> i mean if we know one thing is we know like i watch a lot of court shows you sign the contract <laughs> the both parties agree it's a done deal it's a done Take deal. it to Judge Judy. There's She'll no... agree.
0: <laughs> Judge Judy will back us up. Yeah.
1: But I, I think what ends up... So the question is, why is it that the indigenous people are seen as monsters when Europeans that engaged in the same practice or even worse, right, if we think about the Inquisition, um, are not, right? Like, why are indigenous peoples presented as monsters even today?
0: Exactly. Even to, And that's a that's the problem, right? That these ideas still resonate with people today one of the things i read uh was when one of the explorers or one of the priests or whatever was writing about their beliefs and and how they were talking about cannibalism and then they were like oh yeah i know that catholics you know we eat we technically eat christ but we're different from those people (laughs) like literally yeah that's what i read and then, I read this other part of uh, Persephone's book where they, it was like maybe in the seventeen hundreds, like a couple, like you know, you fast forward a a couple thousand years or not, not thousand years, sorry, a hundred years. I can't math. Yeah, you you fast forward a couple hundred years, and they're already tying the same ideas of women emasculating men to modern women of that time. Mm-hmm and saying, well, these uppity women shouldn't be doing this because, you know, they're all just like crazy, cannibalistic whores. And you're just like, what? <laughs>
1: <laughs> crazy, sharp, cannibalistic? Why did you add that in there? What happened? Where, where did that come from? <laughs>
0: Where did that, that was that field? Yeah. But yeah, it's like they, these themes and ideas do persist.
1: Yeah. And they, they excuse violence against indigenous peoples right which is why we wanted to talk about this today so you know Persephone Brown's book she says that quote monsters are the visible symptoms of preoccupations that afflict human cultures throughout history Um, so what she's saying is that we use monsters to deal with everyday shit right like to understand or cope with disease trauma and death the problem is we end up painting other cultures and races as monsters or as others and then use that to explain violence against each other, right? Like the, the, the indigenous peoples deserve this because they were monsters, or, you know, we couldn't retrain them to be like us, so we had to kill them. All this sort of narratives come from these weird monster histories, which nobody, you know, which we don't really think about. Um, so going back to the question, right? Who are the real monsters? Um, The Conquerors came to the Americas with already preconceived notions of who they were going to see, and so they created fantasies before they even landed. Um, They wanted to see monsters, and that's what they saw. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, they looked at a manatee and saw a fugly siren. You (laughs) know, that's what they wanted to see. Um, So we wanted to conclude by saying, Happy Indigenous Peoples Day. (laughs) A little bit of history on um, Indigenous Peoples Day. So the first documented observance of Columbus Day in the U.S. took place in New York City around 1792 on the 300th anniversary of Columbus's landfall in the Western Hemisphere. Um, And it was a celebration started by Italian Americans and Italians proud of Columbus's achievements. Um, It's a controversial celebration for obvious reasons. We're celebrating a man But we're also celebrating the genocide of indigenous peoples in the Americas, right? It kind of goes hand in hand. Uh, Because of that, many people have pushed back against this holiday and have used it as a way to reclaim this er erased and ignored history of indigenous peoples. Um, So in 1977, participants of the United Nations International Conference on Discrimination Against Indigenous Populations in the Americas proposed the Indigenous Peoples Day to replace Columbus Day. Indigenous Peoples Day uh, recognizes the Native people um, are the first inhabitants of the Americas, including the lands that later became the United States of America. And it urges Americans to rethink that history. Um, So that was in 1977. And slowly, quite a few states have actually changed Columbus Day to Indigenous Peoples Days and celebrate Indigenous Peoples Days. But it is hella controversial. I know in New York, I've seen a few articles about how people are pissed um, especially Ugh. Italian Americans, because it's Columbus Day, right? And it's 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 a celebration of the culture, uh, and that his that country. So it's it's hard to kind of pull that apart for some people. Uh, yeah, but
0: it, I mean that makes sense. And I had a coworker who well, when they were bringing down the statue of Columbus in San Francisco, I believe he was like, oh, but you know we italian-americans because i guess he was italian i couldn't tell um he was like well we italian-americans like we we celebrate columbus and i was like "Mm." i almost want to i read an account by someone who accompanied columbus on his voyage of them raping a indigenous woman and i almost wish i had it at the moment so i could just read it out loud and then just look him in the face
1: yeah
0: and then be like so this is your hero (laughs)
1: yeah i mean that's so hard because hero sh- heroes in general are so problematic like why do we
0: why do we do it? why do
1: we do it but i think because so much it, it's become like a global movement um to change columbus day to indigenous people's days and to get rid of statues to columbus there's been a lot of pushback and a lot of like people saying oh it's cancel culture but but it's not right it's acknowledging how messed up history has been and how we can fix
0: it yeah how we can actually heal trauma yeah um
1: and even recently so news broke that a monument to indigenous women uh is going to replace columbus statue in mexico city and again people were uh, i saw on like tiktok and stuff a few spaniards were really pissed and complained about it um but i don't know what do y'all think how should how should we celebrate today should we have indigenous people's days and columbus day Or should we have Indigenous Peoples Month instead of just a day? (laughs) Uh, Who is the real monster um, here?
0: Yeah. And, you know, to, to end that topic, I really wanted to sing the song that everyone will recognize as Who is the monster and who is the man? Do you remember this? No. Oh, come on. It's from Notre It's from Disney's Notre Dame.
1: <laughs> I forget how much you love that movie. <laughs> I I may have watched it once and probably in Spanish. So, I was not going to recognize that quote no matter how you sang it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> who is the monster and who is the man? You know, and then they go like bells of Notre Dame. I can't sing. So, it's just this is as good as it's going to get. Yeah. yeah. I thought so. that was
1: amazing. That's, Thank you. Yeah. That was, <laughs> Thank you. I, I love that so much.
0: But I always think of that song whenever someone's like, who is who is the
1: real monster? <laughs> and
0: I'm like, yes, that that song. So. Oh, wait. So space?
1: before yeah, um, we go, if you're interested in cannibalism and want to read more about it and how uh, close we are to becoming cannibals. <laughs> I, I I highly recommend um, Tender is the Flesh, which is a really, really amazing book by Argentinian author Agustina Basterrica. I just finished it, reading it yesterday, and it was all about cannibalism and how uh, humans start eating other humans because there's no other food source.
0: Oh, awesome. It's amazing. Yes.
1: Tender is the Flesh. Highly recommend.
0: Great. I mean, if I had to resort to, calism, to cannibalism to like survive, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I probably wouldn't be happy about it. <laughs> I,
1: you not... you already look happy. They can't see you, Brenda. But I'm letting them know you look happy. You're already thinking of a menu. How would I? How would I prepare it? So many how options. I, what
0: spices would I use? And
1: <laughs> what would I pair you it know, with? I Mashed potatoes.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm. I'm not picturing myself in the kitchen, Orukiria. I'm like in the in the wilds, oh. somewhere stranded, trying trying to figure out how to cut up a man.
1: Okay, like, okay, I... got it. <laughs> <laughs> just just use some not... use some snake venom. They'll oh, fall yeah, apart right. real quickly.
0: <laughs> it will fall apart really easily. It'll it tenderizes the it meat. Does. Really,
1: yeah, It does, yeah. and it, it gives it like a it nice does. kick.
0: Yeah. Mm. No. Oh. Mm. Yeah. It's like jalapenos. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god we're so
1: gross
0: (laughs) anyways y'all i'll put i'll put a trigger warning for all the cannibalism (laughs) in this but thank you thank you all for listening you know turning in or turning tuning in i should say and listening to our show uh if you love what we do, please consider leaving a review. And if you have any monsters, creatures, or legends you want us to cover, let us know. You can also connect with us on social media, at Twitter, Instagram, Instagram, or on our website at Podcast. Uh, But we also have a special announcement for all of you.
1: So we're very excited for this month, for the spookiest of the months. We've also collaborated with a Spooky Tales and Coffee cheese, Coffee and Chisme Podcasts. So we're going to bring you Fact or Fiction, Monstra Style. Uh, all three of us will be releasing some cool podcast episodes where you, uh, the audience get, guess which story is um, real and which one is false. So we're really yes. excited to trick y'all.
0: Yes, I'm so excited to hear these stories and to see what people come up with. So... We have a website up with all the details and links, and we also have a Patreon. Ooh. So please go on our link tree uh, if you're on Instagram, but I'll also link it in the show notes uh, or on our website. So we have many places you can get to our Patreon from, and the first few signups get a special gift as a welcome from us. And you have to be at a at the second tier.
1: Yeah, should we say we should we tiers. say what the gift is? Should we leave them uh, in suspense? Yeah, go for it. Go okay. for it. So the, few, uh, the first few folks that sign up, let's say the first 10? 10, 10, 10, yeah. yeah. Ten. The, the, the first 10 that sign up for that tier will get an amazing Halloween card from me. Yes. <laughs> that will have uh, Halloween stickers and will have our special edition Monstra sticker um so we we commissioned uh an artist to do uh, and a friend of mine to do a sticker especially for halloween with our name on it and so those that uh sign up for that patreon will get that really awesome sticker
0: yeah we're excited to introduce it to you guys please sign up please support us um we would love to have your support and yeah but basically that's it we have so many special announcements uh, and so many things going on for the spookiest, spooky of the spookiest months <laughs> of the whole year. Yeah.
1: I'm so excited. So I love how ha- I
0: just. Spooky. And then um, I just love Halloween so much. So I know you guys love it as well. We started our podcast on this spooky month. So it's also kind of a way to celebrate our 4 year anniversary.
1: Right? Yeah, it's our birthday. Celebrate our birthday with us on Patreon. Hey. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. We're too old for birthdays, I guess.
0: I know, we I completely forgot. Yeah. But we're hoping to do this once a year where we do a special thing every Halloween season. So, yeah, if it's successful and you guys like it, let us know and we're going to keep doing it. So, yeah.
1: But that's basically it. So, Bye. I
0: hope everyone stays safe. Stay safe. Doesn't have a really weird, creepy encounter with maybe the ghost of Columbus.
1: Uh, stay away from manatees and send us any of your uh, human recipes for when we turn to cannibalism.
0: Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Please do. Thank Share you. your recipes with us. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>